everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, Volume 2, Issue 82. In the second of our Uncharted trilogy of issues, we turn to 2009's beloved mega-sequel, Among Thieves. Could Nate and Co. knock it out of the park at the second time of asking? Can we? Probably not. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, Tony Atkins. Hello. Joshua Garrity. Hello there. And Carl Moon. Hey there. Uncharted 2 then uh, we did the first game we said things about it here we are again a month later um, this game got insane critical notices didn't it uh, I think it sits on, on one of the highest all time meta scores and game ranking scores with about 96 or something like that off the top of my head but what does that mean that doesn't always mean anything it means that on average professional reviewers enjoyed the game that's all that means. Yes, professional reviewers. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that hindsight and all that stuff. Yeah. That yes. Uh, in in within the context in that they played things, something that I'm learning to <laughs> appreciate in uh, at some speed here. Um, whereas the cane and rinse thing is that we're talking about this game many years after it came out, and some of us have played it and replayed it. Uh, I uh, haven't, unfortunately. So I'm very much performing. A more of a, a hosting role with... Uh, I, I do have opinions on the game. I did play it um, at least once and a little bit. And I played some of the multiplayer. But it is not fresh in my mind. I apologise, uh, listeners. But our histories with the game. Uh, did anyone... Did we buy it day one? Did we buy special or collector's editions? Uh, do we have a copy that we have framed and mounted above our beds that we <laughs> masturbate to every evening? Uh, let's start with Josh. Um, initially, uh, on the run-up to release, I wasn't that excited for it. Um, as I said with the previous Uncharted podcast, I liked the first one, but I wasn't, like, in love with it. So I was kind of expecting the sequel to be, you know, much the same. Like, something that I'd get around to playing, I'd appreciate, but not something I'd fall in love with. But then the reviews started to pour out. And and it wasn't just, you know, the amount of uh, critical praise it got. All the right people were saying the right things about that game. Like people I know and trust who whose opinions I tend to line up with were saying things about the game in terms of like the characters and the dialogue and the set pieces that was really intriguing me. And so it it ended up being a game that I uh, bought day one. So people like uh, Carl Moon and uh, Darren Foreman and Brad Galloway, who you don't like or trust, uh, you were quite willing to disregard their opinions. Um, <laughs> no, no offence to those guys, but we tend to clash often. So yeah, I'm I'm just uh, throwing in a hand grenade there. Carl, yeah. what about you? Uh, I I I don't know how excited for this game you were or, or weren't, to be honest. I think, you know, it, it came off the back of Uncharted, which was very fond in my mind. I enjoyed it a lot on the PlayStation 3, and that sort of came at a time when I wasn't expecting much of it, and I got that game on a rental, and I enjoyed it so much. So with the build-up to Uncharted 2, it, you know, logically it led on that I was going to enjoy this game. But a bit like Josh, I didn't look too deep into it until like the reviews were coming out, and obviously the adverts were on the telly, which were incredibly spectacular, and you realise that there was an incredible media push behind it. I didn't pre-order it, but I went out and got it on day one. Um, and, you know, I, I purchased it on the back of what would be media hype surrounding it, and and 2009 
up until that point had been quite a quiet year for me. There wasn't a whole lot in the beginning of that year that got me excited. So, you know, at that point I was sort of looking out for that game that I was going to, you know, really enjoy and be the heralded as the spectacular blockbuster game of the year, which, you know, into the lead up was released. That's exactly how this had been built. Yeah, I don't actually, this is one of those games, it seems crazy given the amount of games that I buy, borrow, rent, acquire, whatever, um, that I can remember buying or acquiring or borrowing or renting most of them and sort of something about the, the circumstance. I don't really remember the actual process of buying Uncharted 2. can't remember whether, whether it came through the post, can't remember whether, whether I went to a shop. What I do remember is hearing our own Jay Taylor talking with Neil Brooks on Gamerdork at the time. Um, I was off the podcast uh, for a, a month or so because I ha- I'd, we'd recently moved and I had no internet and Virgin couldn't sort it out in time. Um, so I remember hearing them absolutely waxing lyrical about this, uh, you know, this super glossy Hollywood adventure. As I said on the Uncharted show, I'd um, I'd kind of been um, persuaded to to get into that by uh, both Jay and, and David Turner talking about what a you know an unexpected delight the original Uncharted was, and indeed I had enjoyed it. So I was looking forward to it, but I didn't I wasn't so blown away by the first Uncharted that I was desperate desperate to play it. Um, but hearing uh, particularly Jay was you know as as he does with with some new new games, it was hugely animated about it. So that excited me to play it, and then I played it. Um, fairly soon after it came out, I think. And Tony, have you got the uh, limited edition Nathan Drake um, shirt and holster set or whatever? Have I? I, I, I what... got that that um, leather arm brace thing he wears. It looks so cool. Oh yeah. Well, I can't actually remember any sort of special or collector's editions for this game. Did it? was this? There was did, one did that it... came with the dagger, wasn't it? Uh, okay. Plastic. Oh uh, yeah, it was like yeah. a plastic model of the dagger. Um, it wasn't the actual it, one. It was it actually was... quite difficult to get a hold of as well. It was actually a, a very sort of rare and coated in margarine. Know, much, much, you know, wanted collector's edition. Um, yeah, I can't remember the actual name of it, but it, it did come with, as, as Josh said, the uh, Fortune the Hunters the edition. Yeah, that, that sounds oh, nice, right. Nicely plucked. I, I would have liked. Um, this is a uh, harking back veteran gamers moment. Um, the uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade LucasArts adventure game came with a uh, Grail diary, which within it had information and clues for the game. But was it was really nicely put together. You know, back in the days when you didn't have to pre-order or buy a special or collector's edition to get a box with nice things in it. Um, I would have liked a, a, a Drake's diary. Yeah, you really had some. There were really some spectacular collector's editions back in those days, where you know they would feature stuff that would actually. Help with the puzzles, and I'm not talking like Monkey mm-hmm. Island spinning dial thing, which dial a pirate. Yeah, kind of ruined it for some people, but there was some really good ones. The Indian <laughs> ruined it for pirates. Was, uh, was I excellent. learned. Uh, I learned recently in in Retro Gamer that actually uh, Ron Gilbert or Dave Grossman or possibly both were actually uh, some of the team who actually stamped together those dial a pirate code wheels because that's how it worked back in those days. And mine was indeed slightly misaligned, so I can blame the programmers of the game. Uh, so the game takes on, uh, carries on. I don't know how long it's set after the first game exactly. Do we? Is that it's, ever it's, said? It's suggested that it's like a couple of years, but there's no like right. solid amount of time. You know, it never confirms the amount of time that's yeah. passed. 
And it's all about, uh, whereas the first one was more about Drake, this one's about Marco Polo and Mongol Emperor Kublai Khan. Uh, anyone have anything particularly pertinent to say about the, the plot and the story? Obviously, it's the usual backdrop and there's a MacGuffin to see Nate and co go from beautiful, exotic location to from one to another. I think they do a better job of emotionally investing you in the story than they do in the original Uncharted. I think there's a real sense of peril and a sense that things could actually go horribly wrong for the characters that there wasn't with the original. Everything just seemed to go Drake and Elena's way in the first one. Everything was, you know, happy and chipper. Um, But, like, towards the beginning of Uncharted 2, Drake is bleeding to death. You have no idea why, but he's bleeding to death and he's in a horrible, horrible situation. And it's not until later on in the game that you find out why why he's in that situation and i think that it's the tone is just a lot different here so um initially at least uh, we're introduced to uh, to new characters we don't necessarily know even that sully and elena are going to be in this one but we see we meet harry flynn and chloe fraser who are a, a pair of ne'er-do-wells and they're on a museum job yeah, and uh, they've asked you to join uh, their expedition because they have no idea what this um, note that Marco Polo wrote was all about because um, Drake's better at translating languages and stuff like that and deciphering codes and whatever. Um, yeah, and Chloe and um, Drake behind... Um, I've forgotten his name already. What's his name? Harry Sorry. Flynn. Harry Flynn behind his back they kind of plan to like take the uh the map and bail basically well, and there's, move him. there's hints that they they have had a re- romantic relationship at some point yeah it's it's not not so much a romantic relationship but they've had like an on and on and off fling like they hook up from occasion uh, on occasion um yeah, and and it basically the game starts with them robbing this uh, bank, uh, not bank, a museum, and it's mm. the first uh, in Istanbul. Yeah, yeah, and it and this is where it uh, forces you to engage with the game's stealth mechanics. Mm. Uh, it's the only o- only forced stealth section in the entire game, but I know a lot of people don't like this section. I didn't like it one little bit. Um, I, I, it's so funny because you know we're already coming back to that conversation that must be had about Uncharted, and the fact that there's too much shooting, especially given that the shooting maybe isn't you know at the top of the tree in terms of quality and all that sort of thing. So obviously they put in a stealth section, but then the stealth isn't very good either. I there's, disagree. There's, really? Now you yeah. see, there's only this is kind of this section is is as as stealth games often are, it's kind of a, a puzzle with a solution, isn't it? It's like there's you can't you can't imp- now, you can't sorry. improvise this section. Let me clarify. I think this section of the game is troublesome because it's right. for stealth. I yes. think when when the stealth mechanics become optional, I think they're interesting because mm-hmm. then it becomes about how many enemies can I take out quietly before they notice me, and then I have to resort to gunfire. Whereas here, it's like instant fail the moment. They see, yeah, that's terrible. Which is yeah. always rubbish. Yeah, always rubbish. And I, I'm yeah. going to go along with Josh. I actually 
there's many elements which I think I was I was coming onto this podcast to kind of complain about. And actually, my replayers has softened my viewpoint on a number of elements. And stealth was one of them that I always remembered being quite mm. fickle and um, you know more nuisance than what it was worth. And coming into this museum section was exactly that. I, I it, you know, even though I'd done it before, I and I vaguely remember the route that you know it was the case of like a dozen retries <laughs> to get it right. And I was like. Oh, God, yeah, the stealth is horrendous in this. I've forgotten. Um, but like Josh Sheridan, we'll probably talk more about it later. But I think, yeah, as and when it's not false and when, you know, there isn't an instant, you know, fail state, then I, I think it's, it that does actually add a lot to the uh, the overall combat sections of the game. But yeah, that, that was a bad move to make it, you know, enforced in that one section because you could actually, I think, genuinely get stuck there and then be, uh, you know, sectioned off from a lot of other parts of the game if you couldn't get past it because yeah that's the problem when it's enforced i think it's you know it's a sign of things to come where you've got a section in the game which you are recommended in this case enforced you've got to do the stealth um but like a lot of the game perhaps there's not enough signposting this is clearly intended as the tutorial for the game which is why you have to do it so that you're aware that it exists later on but without you know as we've said, it can be incredibly frustrating and it's because you're not entirely sure of what's going on or where you're supposed to go or entirely what you're supposed to do. Are you supposed to attack them or are you supposed to just sneak past them? And um, and it, it is an issue uh, throughout the game, um, the, the lack of specific know. signposting. But the first time I played through this section, the first time I played the game full stop, was on hard difficulty um, and I didn't enjoy this section at all. And when I went through it again for the show, I played it on a lesser difficulty. Um, and having the experience of done it before, it didn't actually feel that bad. I actually quite enjoyed this section. Um, does the difficulty setting make any difference to this section? I'm no, surprised. I don't it think doesn't. it does. It's just, no. you know, having had the experience of playing not just this section, yeah, but yeah. a whole game and how the stealth works into it, it was. It, it's odd that for a tutorial section, it's actually nicer to do after having completed the entire game <laughs> well, uh, than, well, than mm. you know sort of introducing you in a in a friendly you know mm, manner. Mm. There, there, there's a specific pattern in which it wants you to take out the enemies in that yeah, section that's, and once that's you a problem. once you figured that out it's it's easy but stealth sections shouldn't be like that stealth should be about freedom <laughs> and being able to take out enemies at you, you know at your own pace which i do feel like it's like that uh, later on in the game when the stealth becomes optional but at this point it's just way too scripted so we're introduced uh, we find out that Flynn who is a shady but uh, you know entertaining character as as most of them tend to be in the Uncharted games um, is in cahoots with Zoran Lazarevich who's played by Graham McTavish and who is the game's uh, ultimate baddie we know this he's a Serbian war criminal and he has a scarred face which is always a giveaway. Um, I know opinions on Lazarevich are mixed, mm -hmm. so I'm curious to think uh, to ask what you guys think of him as a character. Um, I, I actually like him because I think Graham McTavish adds enough. I don't know. I want to say screen presence. He's not on screen, but just like his vocal performance is kind of. 
uh, it's more engaging than the previous villains in the series. I was that was that was like this is damning with faint praise, but there's no doubt that Lazarevich is a better villain than the ones whose names we could barely remember <laughs> in yeah. in the first game. Uh, but I worry that my memory of him. There's no doubt that Graham McTavish. You know, he's a, he's a good voice actor. He's a good actor. He he puts in he puts in a decent effort. That's again damning with faint praise. That's not fair. He's a good voice actor, but I worry that my memories of Lazarevich are more about the shitty, awful final boss yeah. than they are about the performance throughout the game. I, I was going to say the that. Menace. I, I think the final boss battle ruins everything that they managed to achieve with him prior to that because mm. he he is intimidating. There's, I mean, there's a couple of scenes. One in particular that really stood out for me, where um, you know, one of his henchmen, I guess, um, you know. Wrong does him by stealing a piece of treasure, and instead of you know, you almost suspect in, in these scenarios for him to be, you know, if he's going to be disposed of, he'll be pushed off a cliff or you know, shot or something like that. And he stabs him in the stomach and then disposes of him instead of just being shot or just you know, in a kind of nice way. He, you just see the kind of just feel the knife going in, and like he takes some sort of pleasure in it mm. and just pushes him away. Sadis- properly yeah, sadistic, properly sadistic, yeah. yeah. that's what you need from a bat. Yeah, and like that sets him up as as a guy that you do not mess with. Like just being able to that up close and personal kind of killing, uh, you know, puts him to a, a different layer that I think a lot of baddies in in a, in a lot of games actually fail to in, encapsulate. I think the the scene that really uh, impressed me was when he just casually kills the cameraman Jeff mm-hmm. after you spent ages trying to carry because uh, at this point Jeff is wounded and he, the the entire section of that game is you carrying him to safety you get to a dead end and then Lazarevich just walks in and shoots him point blank just to convey a message that look I'm not somebody to be messed with um, and so few villains in uh, video games kind of immediately establish I am a threat. Like I'm not just a joke. I am a threatening presence here. And I was thinking about uh, it may, or when when a when a villain does do that, and and there are, there have been a few. It always makes me think of uh, Command and Conquer Red Alert, the first one, when um, old Kane, whatever his face, shoots the cameraman. Uh, yeah, so um, the, Nepal, uh, Nepal is the sort of the next big main set piece location, isn't it? And that's where uh, Nate runs into old flame Elena, who he was with at the end of the first game, uh, and indeed this likable uh, cameraman. Um, she's still doing uh, what investigative reporting mm-hmm. yeah, on something yeah. or other. I can't. I can't remember the. We exact know details, that she's but... press, and that's about it. You know, because she because she wears a tag that says press, and I mean the game isn't one. You know, on the on the topic of Lazarevich before we move on fully, is uh, Uncharted's not a game that's you know going to shy away from stereotypes. We know, you know, right from the outset, Russian male bad, English male bad, American male good. You know, and for me, Lazarevich was pretty much the ultimate colour by numbers villain. He was predictable, boring, dull. He had decent voice acting, I'll give it that, but. His presence on screen did absolutely nothing for me. I don't think he featured enough in the game, and I never actually felt that he was entirely that nasty. You know, a a guy screwed him over trying to rob stuff. Yeah, of course he's going to kill him, but any number of villains in a game would do that. It's, for me, even aside from the, you know, the boss battle, which I'm sure we'll talk about in more depth, he offered nothing as a villain in that game for me. I disagree disagree entirely, yeah. From the first time I played it until I've played it again, the only thing I actually remembered about him was that boss fight. And in 
three, six months from now, I'm sure that'll be the case again. He was... I don't think he's awful. I think he's so much better than most video game villains. Like, at least... I do agree with you he's based on a stereotype. Oh, yeah. yeah. But execution is everything, and I think they executed that stereotype yeah, rather the, well. The, I mean, there's another scene towards the, the back end of the game where, you know, he's he's within a room and, you know, Nate's there and, and you know, everything, the, the entire crew is there. And there's a choice between um, Elena and Chloe, which one could... Uh, you know, you almost feel like Nate has to choose between the two because he's gonna he's, he wants to shoot either one of them, and then Nate has to actually convince him, kind of back him down from that, just saying, look, you know, and almost and actually solve the puzzle because you can see in Nate's eyes that one of these one of the girls are going to be killed. I mean, but it, it's nothing we've not seen before in a game, Tony. We, we we see that in media, you know, television, movies, you know, one or the other, pick and choose. It that was nothing new, and and he shot. One about I don't think Uncharted is trying to be original when, in that yeah, sense. Yeah, when though, he when it? he shot Jeff, and you're saying that shooting Jeff made him a villain, right? I'd have felt that that motion, that that action, would have had carried more weight if he'd killed a character I hadn't known for one and a half chapters. You know, I, I carried him through the shortest chapter in the game on my shoulders, and he got shot. Did I care? No. If he shot, if now if he shot Elena, if he shot Elena, now that's an action of a villain. Yeah, but it's a traditional storytelling mechanic to introduce uh, a new likable but uh, expendable character to to tell that part of the story. That's that's. You know, again, Uncharted is is trying to be. It's not trying to be a grim, gritty drama. It's trying to be a Hollywood blockbuster, and it uses those mechanics. I'm not I, like I'm not a big fan of that. In particular, is why he carried no weight for me. It was nothing. Mm. Like I said, mm. it was nothing new, and I understand the purpose of it. But as as a villain, it would have carried a lot more weight if, say, he'd pulled, you know, Sullivan out of somewhere and shot him. Thing is, or... for me, is that with. Me, I don't think me and Tony are saying that he's doing anything original. I agree that he is doing things that have been done before. My, what I'm trying to convey here is that I think the execution is much better than I've seen it before. I think as a villain, Graham McTavish is has a lot of presence. He gives a great performance, and just the way it's framed is really well done. It has been done before. I agree with you. I just, I can. I can count the number of times it's been done well on one hand. I, th- I think my point here, on terms of you know impact, is that it's not even the most villainous move in the in the game. It's not even in the top two. The top two most villainous vil- uh, actions by a character are both by Flynn, who also has comic relief. He's you know the the moment when he shoots Drake in the chest. That yeah, yeah. you know, off camera on a loud gunshot is quite shocking. Even though you know exactly that that how it has to happen because of how the game opens up, and also the moment when he's carrying the grenade and he lets it go, they're both far more, you know, disgusting character traits than anything Lazarevich does in that game. I I I think yeah I don't well you said character traits I think his actions within the game are. Um, you know, um, have a much more dramatic effect on the plot than Lazarevich's. I don't. I think as a character, Flynn is a lot more stable. Um, but, but no, I I agree. In many ways, Flynn is actually a much more active part of the the plot than uh, Lazarevich is. It's just uh, for whatever reason, he wasn't as memorable to me. Uh, Flynn is played by Steve Valentine. 
Yeah. Just to credit him. I also, think he does it. Alistair in Dragon Age, for those who want to. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, he's uh, another Scottish actor, along with um, McTavish. And I thought, I thought on the topic of him, I thought he was absolutely fantastic. I thought his voice work was brilliant in that game. He's a, he's a Scot playing a Cockney, isn't he, as I recall? And he actually does a good job. Seems to, yeah. Pretty pretty decent. Um, and then, of course, there's the uh, ubiquitous Claudia Black as Chloe Fraser, who uh, is another... I, th- I think she's a cool character, but there was definitely a graphical problem with her face, yes, <laughs> which yeah. was yeah, often talked about odd. at the time. There's, there's something... Yeah, her eyes are fucked it. up. Yeah, and it's, I think there's something with her mouth as well. It's not quite. Mm. It's not quite right. They fixed it in Uncharted 3, but yeah, I agree. Yes. She, she does look a bit odd compared to Nathan yeah. Drake. And even Elena actually looks, Elena yeah, exactly. looks fine in this. Yeah, very strange. I'm not sure what, what really happened there and how it got through or how it wasn't patched. It's a, one of those sort of bizarre video game mysteries. Uh, Chloe's squiffy face. Maybe she was just meant to look like that. <laughs> it's, it's odd because obviously they spent a lot of time doing character faces in that game because they changed the whole technology from the first game. You know, in the first mm, in the first yeah, game yeah. everyone had an individual head. In the second game it was one base head model with different faces, and you know some character models had up to ninety seven facial joints for emotion on it, and obviously quite a lot of them were quite wrong on Chloe. <laughs> I think that that was probably almost the problem because you know you looked at it and it looked almost like the eyes were slightly misset in their sockets or something yeah, weird. Yeah. It's very, it was a shame. Very strange. But, you know, as a character herself, I thought she was she was great and she's one of sort at least in, at least in games one of the few women um that I feel has been portrayed in a way that leaves, you know, smart quips that doesn't feel, you know, for the sake of being there and and actually, for a lot of that game, that when she's with Drake, she actually matches him quip for quip, punch for punch, and it's you know it's actually quite interesting to see because it's not done in sort of a cheap or cheesy way. You, you sort of realise that you know what she is actually pretty awesome, and I actually quite like that about her. I just like the fact that Elena and Chloe are so different because mm. in so many films, when you have like you know the love triangle thing. The two mm. female characters that the man is meant to be pining for are kind of just the same person because it's woefully underwritten most of the times when mm-hmm. that uh, plot trope is used. But yeah, Elena, when you're partnered with Chloe, there's a very different dynamic to the dialogue than when you're partnered yeah. with Elena, which I, I think is great. I think on the you know the the love triangle thing is is also it's slightly different in this game in that it's not. You know, Nate's not undecided. You know, we quite clearly know he likes Elena. You know, Elena likes him, but Chloe likes Nate. And, you know, he'll leave her sort of, you know, sexual remarks about about her ass and whatnot. And, she, and she'll play up to that too. But at no point do you ever feel like, you know, Nate's particularly after Chloe. Just that Chloe likes him and he likes her, but he's actually in love with with Elena and there's sort of no misgivings about that and it felt actually quite fresh that it wasn't just the generic you know as you said the the love triangle trope in a game and it was you know it was actually fun and interesting whenever you know either or or at times all three were on screen see I always felt like Chloe was a symbolism of Nate's past like past endeavors you know quick flings doing these you know these treasure hunting goals and just sections like that where Elena was that moment where he, he you know he could see her life outside of the event, you know, a bit of steadiness in, in his hectic kind of ways. And what, I mean, what confused me, certainly coming back to Uncharted 2, is when we first meet Elena again and she's doing her reporting things, it's, well, when we left Uncharted, or Uncharted, 
they seem to be very much a couple and we're going off to do something, you know, at least spend time together. So when we suddenly bump back into Elena again and she's off doing this reporting job and there seems to be this weird awkwardness between the two characters, she's like, well, how did we get here? Like, why, why are they clearly haven't seen each other for a, you know, a, a fairly large chunk of time? And why is, uh, Nate himself sunning himself on a beach and, and, you know, where did this go wrong? It, uh, you know, I don't know how they would have necessarily, you know, brought that back into the plot, but it was, it was an odd kind of, huh. Yes, she's here. I kind of like that it didn't feel the need to explain that, though. It's just people break up, Mm. you know? Yeah, I think it's important... Uh, it's it's it, it's it's similarly handled to the way that as with Nate, as with Han Solo, as with Mal Reynolds, as with um, even Kirk in the in the modern Star Trek films, it's more interesting that they've got this uh, kind of roguish past, you know, Han Solo style that that you you don't know all the details of. It's more interesting to know that it's there than it is to watch mm-hmm. it happening. Yeah. You only need a couple of brief scenes to explain that what they're like actually what's more interesting is these uh characters who are perhaps a bit you know a bit rough around the edges and a bit off the rails uh finding it within themselves to become good people of course the argument here is that uncharted makes it a difficult this a difficult story to tell by stealing things shooting people blah 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 and all that but then all those characters that i just mentioned uh do that as well so um it's again it's um, this this game deals in archetypes um but you know, again, to come back, you're talking about the the character, the female, strong female characters. Again, we have to mention the fact that this has a you know a talented female writer on the on the on the team, or possibly the you know, main creative person in Amy Hennig, and uh, and it shows because um, yeah, it's um, there's obviously an emphasis on that, and and you know, given the popularity of the story and all the characters, including the female characters, um, it's something that you know other developers should pay attention to but saying that as we said in the last uncharted show as well um a female writer on the recent tomb raider reboot perhaps doesn't do as good a job of fleshing out the um you know the the supporting cast but then why should she just because she's a female i'm not sure what all that means but it'd be interesting to talk more about that with um Tomb Raider when we do that. I don't I don't know how much behind the scenes stuff you guys have seen with Uncharted 2, but the writing process for this for this game in particular was really interesting and I I'm sure I'm pretty sure they carried it on for Uncharted 3 in that the, they were kind of writing the script as they were recording all the cutscenes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't set in stone. Mm-hmm. So the, a lot of the dialogue is improvised between the actors. And and all the stuff, um, apart from like vital information that the player needs to know, a lot of the dialogue um, as you're playing through the game where, you know, just the banter back and forth was all just improvised in a recording booth between the actors and they just cherry picked all the best lines that they came up with i hope that's true sometimes i wonder because you you see this with promotion for uh, movies as well where they talk a lot about this stuff because it makes it sound kind of interesting and dynamic and creative and you wonder you know kind of how much it's true i hope it is i'm gonna you know we can only take it on face value we know it had a sort of a strange development process because they actually did six months of just you know, planning concept and uh, simple design and outline uh, outlines before they even started creating anything in that game. And the and the game was created in, you know, I believe they said twenty two months, so less than two years from you know, mm. and six months of that was planning. 
So it, it wouldn't surprise me if they, if they were doing a, along those lines. And we know obviously the animations added later on. So so it's always possible to go sort of go back and forth and change those things, like Josh said. Um, you know, it's certainly an unusual process that the game used, but you know, obviously it it that process offered something that was maybe a little bit off kilter, but it certainly added to the game because it stands out for these reasons. Josh can speak to this as well because we saw um, Nolan North talk at Eurogamer Expo uh, last year, um, and I mean he had some interesting insights about how he you know, interacted with the development side of things. It, by the sounds of it, he's not really like he doesn't really play games or anything like that. No, um, no I don't think so. And he was talking about how he was actually kept like in, on staff um, for a longer period of time, so it wasn't just like a singular you know, recording session. He would be there. He would uh, look at what they were actually doing, how they were designing things, and actually how the game was playing. And then he would actually change his character around some of the stuff he'd seen on yeah. the screen on the environments that you would see that would, were being produced, and they'd go back in and they'd record certain sections and stuff. So the sounds of it, it was pretty free flowing in, in itself. And yeah, I think Nolan North having now seen him and, and seen a number of interviews of him, I think he is one of those guys that is is very jokey and, and very ad lib and can add stuff in there. And, I, you know, he, he's quite infectious just on the stage. You could see kind of people, the banter almost appearing with his colleague, which was up there. So I can imagine in a sound booth and them all mocapping it out, how, you know, that could actually be Yeah, I mean, he, has, he does have a certain charisma that, you know, he draws does, yeah. you to his voice. And, and obviously some... Actors will do it with, you know, facial expressions or body movements. Obviously, in in his case, he'll do it with his voice, and that that's obviously great for for games where, you know, what what he gives in interviews or you know press releases and, and anything like that that you'll see surrounding the game that all carries over into his character, uh, which obviously is just you know animated. But that voice carries enough charisma and enough sort of gravitas that he, you know. It becomes iconic as a character, of course. You know whether or not it actually hurts him in other games is is a, a whole other thing. Personally, I think it does. But you know, he's synonymous now with with Nathan Drake, and well, probably always will be. The thing is with Nolan North, he does actually have a huge range. The problem does, is the yeah. developers just tell him to do <laughs> Nathan Drake every time. This is most successful, yeah. Not every time. Well, not every time, well, but that is did. that is more around his natural voice than anything else as yeah. well. You know that that that's yeah. that's yeah. his performance level. That's what he's comfortable with. But I mean, yeah. you know, whilst he has range, you know, not necessarily. They don't necessarily carry the, the same level. I know a lot of people aren't a fan of his penguin in Arkham City because no, it's a poor cockney. It doesn't carry the same sort of level of enjoyment, and and that's understandable. And it, it maybe you know whilst he is talented, maybe he's talented in a more comfortable range around him, and that's why when you see you know the characters in you know Dark Void or or Spec, well Spec Ops, I actually didn't mind him in, but even as you're playing, you're like this is just a really angry Nathan Drake and. You know, it, it, you always draw back. As was pointed out to us recently by Ryan Astley, he does a lot of uncredited yes. work as well that you wouldn't even know as him. And of course, there's his appearance in things like Portal Two as a robot and stuff like that. I think I think it's unfair to say he doesn't have what? range. I think I think the pet, you know, Penguin's a difficult one because for whatever reason they they elected to uh, cast him as a uh, a Cockney penguin um which you know is i, I don't think penguin doesn't even have to be english does he i mean i don't know what i don't know what the story is there but the thing that draws you to him maybe doesn't carry across as well when he's doing a more ranged performance you know it's well perhaps he so doesn't get to flex that. his muscles as much when he's not nathan drake you know i wasn't really thinking of penguin when i was talking about the range. i i know him from a lot of animated stuff where he yeah, gets yeah. to flex his muscles a bit yeah. more and i think he's equally as brilliant uh doing 
doing that kind of stuff as he is Nathan Drake. I think it's just unfortunate that in video games, yeah, he gets to do stuff like Portal 2 and not the not-so-good Penguin in Arkham City, but it does feel like he is just cast as... He's become typecast recently. Yeah, but, I mean, that, that that's mm. a problem down to the fact that, he, you know, he, I would argue his performance in Uncharted 2 is spectacular. Like, I, you know, it, he just it absolutely nails it, and... Yeah, sure. He it may have typecast him now for a good few years in games, but you know that's not really his fault because he just you know he, his acting ability in that game and some of the presentation and how it was all set up just allowed it to be a really yeah. interesting character and one that is so memorable that we can't help but see Nathan Drake in other characters even when it's you know not remotely like that. Absolutely, and it's what happens to uh, stars over actors, yep. even. And, yep. and also, you know, you think about, you know, somebody who was often touted as one of the greatest actors of the generation was Robert De Niro. He, he plays the same character in any number of films <laughs> yeah. with the same voice brilliantly, and he's utterly watchable, um, you know, in, in his good films. Um, but he is so, you know, he, he does the same thing over and over again, the repetition and the face and, you know, all that stuff. Um, and I th- but I think the difference is you're talking about a live actor who gets to uh, you know act with his face in the environment of a movie and it's true. and in you know mm. games you know, a lot of it is left to the you know a lot of what makes you great has to be left to the animators and the sound team and it doesn't necessarily carry across but of course Northern North is a name in games and it's it's now seen as a coup or we have Northern North you know and how spec- fantastic is we that? saw Spec Ops jump on the back of that they were very you know open oh we've got Northern North involved in our game yeah. and, and I mean well mm. well done to Northern North for managing to do it in a game you know in in that industry he is now we've always had recognised names you know you've got Jennifer Hill but she doesn't get anywhere near the same praise you know you've got uh, Fred Tatschiori who's a phenomenal voice actor but again he doesn't carry that same level there's only really Northern North who holds that bar where a game can say we have him I think that's partly because he's done a lot of media I think he you know he enjoys it um, I don't know kind of it's a chicken egg situation I don't know whether he did the media because he got the fame or he got the fame because he did the media but you know he'll turn up on panels and podcasts and, and stuff like that and you know, people particularly like Nate in the same mm-hmm. way that they particularly like Indy and Han Solo and, yeah. and Mal Reynolds and things like that. But yeah, it's true. I was thinking about um, you've got uh, Robin Atkins, Atkin Downs, who's prolific, utterly prolific. He's in virtually every video game. Um, he's in he's in Uncharted 2 as Tenzin. He barely says anything. And what he does say, you wouldn't know it was Robin Atkin Downs. You wouldn't know it was the same guy yeah. as who played Travis Touchdown in... Um, that is him, isn't it? In... in uh, no more heroes. So, yeah, so. yeah, and and any number of other kind of kind of completely different roles. Um, but you know, if if they if if people know that Nolan North is not only you know a safe pair of larynxes, <laughs> um, he he he's uh, he is good. You know, box office, as they say, it is like casting. Uh, you know, perhaps the other thing, of course, is when people hear his voice in another game. They immediately think back to Uncharted, and maybe that could hurt the other game when they think, "Well, this isn't Uncharted, or you know, this hasn't got the same production." Totally. And, you yeah. know, and yeah. it's not necessarily a bad thing that you recognise for other games. It's just that you know, Nathan Drake is a great character, really, and he's an he's an, he's an enjoyable character, and you know, and we can name, you know, we we could list off hundreds of games that just don't have great characters but in, all, in, so. in particular to uncharted 2 i think there's a whole cast of enjoyable characters and they're, yeah. i mean they're oh, all in, i mean there's there's you know many reasons why i i love uncharted 2 and i you know i think the character performances is probably right up there with the precipice of the best of them so you know it's but it's it's the entire crew like nolan does does not well 
Drake does is you know he's not a solo act here. Like there there is plenty that you need Elena and you need Chloe and you need Sully. Although I needed more Sully in this, but hey, yeah, that, he comes back. Yeah. First time I played it, I hated it when he disappeared because he was my favorite character in the first game. And, That's for ages, isn't it? And it I think he disappears after chapter five, but it's he's with you for what feels like quite a large period of the game anyway. Even though he's in not in a couple of character chapters, regardless, he's only he has quite a lot. He's of only really about in the Borneo. Yeah, section, and, isn't he? yeah, but he's still such a great character to have around. I wish he was in it more. Um, I thought he was he was my personal star in the first game. I obviously I wasn't on that show, so I wasn't able to sort of say that. But I um, I oh, hated agree, it when he disappeared think. in this game. I thought he, he's mm. my favorite character I, in all of the the Uncharted games, and it's, it's it was a shame because you know he's fantastic. I, I wasn't I wasn't too bothered to be honest. I like Sully a lot. But I actually like Elena and Chloe more, so I wasn't that bothered by the fact. Yeah, there that... wasn't a gaping hole that there could have been because yeah. that dynamic yes. was going on. I think that's true. But as, as it doesn't um, help, like there's there's bits you know when you can look in the you know the fantastic notebook, which is perhaps another thing underplayed in Uncharted too. Um, on on some of the pages you get have you have you noticed you you get the drawing of the Sculliver. many faces yeah, yeah. And Sculliver, it's yeah. a it's a skull with a cigar and yeah and he just draws the eyebrows on different photos of him and you know that kind of stuff just made me giggle and you think yeah you know Sully does have that certain thing about him where you know goddamn goddamn all the time so yeah he's he's fantastic. in in an, in an ideal world like we you know we're, we're talking about one voice actor there for ages which uh, for obvious reasons um in an ideal world like we really believe. On Kane and Rince, I know it's uh, voice acting is something that particularly sort of Josh is into, and me to perhaps slightly lesser extent. But we do like to, we'd love to credit everyone on these games yeah. without just reading out the cast list. Um, obviously, you know, we should say Richard McGonagall for for Sully again, and Emily Rose for Elena Fisher. But you know, in we we can't credit every every animator who worked on this game. Like Carl, obviously, you know, you know about how the the skills and efforts that go into making the graphics and stuff like that, and the you know the, the the lists are just too long, um, and and you know this is what the passion of Kane and Rince is all about. Actually acknowledging the work of all these people is difficult um, because they're such you Especially know on like a collaborative efforts title like this, where it, you know it actually tried to it set a bar above everything else and then aimed for it. And in some regards, they met it, and in other regards, they didn't. But from a technical aspect, you know, in voice animation and and graphic style and all that, mm. you know, it feels. Like you have to mention it because they actually at least attempted something, you know, outside of what would be a, a comfort zone. And like I said, in t- in what twenty two months is pretty astounding. Well, and the game still looks phenomenal. Have yeah. to be said, even now. Well, even now, it's not that that great a time as this passed. But yeah, no, it's I, a while yeah. for generation. I, I, I and I, I truly believe that. I think if this game has been released today, sure, there's a few areas that could have been tightened, and you know, it, at, at times it seems a little low res in, in different sections. But yeah. well, that was a problem even when it came out is that Uncharted really doesn't shy away from mixing high resolution textures with low resolution textures, mm. and at times it is jarring when you're walking through an apartment and you see the inside and the cupboards will be all beautifully decorated with the you know the the door jams and you'll see the little splinters in the wood, and then you've got like a uh, incredibly low resolution, but like microwave see, and stuff, and he's like, "Oh, yeah." yeah. The, the first, I mean, the first game was still quite impressive playing through it, and but you could see that that was a you know this generation console work, you know, you know, and it felt mm. you know every bit of what, six years been that long, isn't it? Six years old, but um, Uncharted Two really, it, you know, it, down to the well, 
every part of the environment it's really hard to describe but it was it's down to tiny details so you know brickwork and um you know the tree movements you know, phone lines and, and flags that are waving um you know independently of everything else that are going in around I mean, the from environment a, from a technical point of view they did change a lot and you know one of one of the things that they immediately changed was that all the textures now were going to be drawn in a really high definition diffuse map which is basically the texture and then you're going to get a normal map put on the top which carried a lot of information and then that was going to put on top uh, the end result is that it looks absolutely terrible when you're modeling it in 3D. So they uh, they actually used the, uh, a new lighting system in that game, which softened all the graphics, and that's what gives you that incredible visual distinct style. And then obviously they used a, an incredibly high contrast ratio, which again gives it so much character. But that is what gives the, yeah, such a I, unique I think feel. It's... I think it's more mm. than that, though. I, I think there's a sense of composition to the way the environments in Uncharted 2 are built that were completely absent from Uncharted 1. It feels like these, uh, all the environments in this game are constructed in a way to be visually appealing in mm. the same way a painting is. When you get to on on the top of the roof of that hotel and you look out onto the, you know, Nepal and the <laughs> landscape, it's not just that you're looking out at this no. big city. It's the fact that, you know, the sun's coming through the clouds and you can see the mountains which you're going to end up being at some point in the game. It's just all really well put together. What's and really I... amusing there, Josh, is that you actually nailed in one my favourite moment in that whole game from a visual point of view is the yeah. roof of that lap, uh, roof and just you know as would well as we are you know sort of dropping names and and congratulating people the art director is actually rob ruppel who did mm -hmm. a, an incredible job with that game and, and he admitted that the out from the outset of that game their one target was variety that was it yeah that, yeah. that was their sort of that was the mission statement from the and, art team and it's and, you know. and, it, and it's interesting because I think in many ways Uncharted 3 is technically more impressive, but there aren't as many just vistas and environments that have clinged to my memory in the same way that Uncharted 2 has. It just it really feels like they put a lot of thought into every area of this game to make sure that it was memorable. Yeah, I think sometimes you just strike gold, don't you? Sometimes you you throw a few things together and and you and you strike gold. And it, in regards to to Uncharted Two, where you know if you're listing amazing things off, I've got like the rooftop, you've got the, the train climb sequence, you've got the actual train traveling sequence, and then you've got like the, the falling buildings and the the traveling through the the broken cities and the temples. You know, there's seven straight away that come to mind as things I've never seen before. Um, no, it's, it's really an extension of the first game. Obviously, there is more variety and the graphics are technically better, um, as I recall. And I do have some strong visual memories of the game, um, particularly uh, the Himalayas. Mm -hmm. um, I love, I, I'm, I'm a total sucker for snow and ice sections in game, especially if the, the snow's done well, it you know, moves well, sounds good and all that. And um, I think uh, Jay mentions it in his three-word review. I think my favourite moment of the entire video game is a sort of visual trick. Um, which is where the uh, one of the monsters is uh, actually at the front of the screen, but your eye is drawn to the far of the screen um, uh, as you're controlling Drake, and then you suddenly notice, you know, I assume some people kind of probably didn't get the, the joy of that moment because they just went, oh, why is that monster at the front of the screen? But for me, it totally... It's that another world sort of flashback It was moment. totally like yeah. another world. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and, and that was fantastic. But I still have the same sort of slight disconnection with 
the way that Uncharted 2 looks. And again, I know it's a sort of Hollywood hyper-reality, um, but it has a certain... It's almost it's almost too glossy, too perfect, um, even beyond, like, you know, thinking about the, the films that we might compare it to, like Raiders of the Lost Ark or something. Raiders still has a certain kind of realism to it, a kind of um, a grittiness that uncharted is yeah it's just that it's so glossy it's almost too perfect almost yeah i know what slightly you're, I, unreal. I know what you're saying that it definitely is very almost i'd say almost cartoonish it's mm-hmm. like a cartoon yeah. reality it's that contrast um, but, sort of levels you know where you get the bright vibrant greens and the and it's sort of it loses that air of any sort of realism and um, that you know I, that we're I talking about far. and and there's some lovely water effects and stuff and it's very easy on the eye but it, it can take you yeah, out of it, it mixes slightly, its things and sometimes it loses any sort of continuity by doing so but it, it's also um, a style that is again synonymous with the uncharted games and um it's sort of you know either like it or you or you won't sort of like it and it well, at times well, it is a bit yeah it didn't always do it for me I well, I really enjoyed it, but I I acknowledge, yeah, I I totally get where where you guys are coming from. But to me, to me, I just saw it as a stylistic choice in the same way yeah, yeah. that Okami's, uh, you know, really mm, over the top mm. art style is, and it it really just it didn't break it didn't break me out of the game because that to me that's just Uncharted's world. It's probably about time we address this. It ties into the gameplay, um, if there were you know if there were elements of the gameplay that failed to satisfy or didn't satisfy as much as one wanted them to obviously we've already lavished praise on the production values uh almost goes without saying that the soundtrack again uh by greg Edmondson is is uh sumptuous and evocative and all that stuff and the voice acting is great and the characterization is great and the story is good for this kind of thing um but then there's the controversial element that is the the shooting and the platforming um, which... <laughs> neither of which are, according to some people, terribly engaging. And I disagree with those few people. <laughs> yes. Well, um, th- again, this is going to come down to really, uh, you know, this is a, a subjective discussion. But there are some people have arguments that neither is is just good enough for a game that you know gets like you know ninety five to ninety eight percent reviews when the, both these facets are you know, of, of the standard that they are. So, Josh, why do you love the platforming and shooting so much in Uncharted? It's really hard for me to s- describe because I kind of just don't have some of the issues that people constantly bring up. I don't have problems, you know, getting headshots of the guns or, you know, you know, pinning enemies down or killing them or what's, what have you. <clears throat> I, I think... Uh, for me, I think the actual combat is a huge improvement over Uncharted 1, mainly because Drake is so much faster in the sequel, and it was really apparent playing this again, because in Uncharted 1, he's kind of sluggish. When you push mm. a button, there's a like, slight delay to yeah, when animation to cover, yeah. and when he... But in this one, it fe- he feels really fast. Now, I will admit that he... It, He's not quite as uh, accurate as maybe Marcus is from Gears of War, but uh, he's uh, 
like I've Infinitely already said, more he's likeable. just much more. <laughs> he's just much more agile and able to move around the environment. The ability to just clamber around the environment in a way that, like most third-person shooters, don't allow you to, made for some scenarios to it made them much more interesting because you were able to get to you know a cert like get to the high ground and snipe people from below and and stuff like that and also i really love the ability to actually shoot people while you're climbing so you can just be mm. hanging off a ledge and just shoot people before they even see you um yeah and i really like that they added the stealth stuff that we've already covered that but also the grenades were much improved in this one mm. they were actually useful the melee combat which i think is much better in this game than the uh, original game um mm. it's a bit more um quick timey than uh the original combat system but because they've made it so much faster and those uh melee encounters just are over much quicker it wasn't a big deal for me um yeah i I... and and is there do you think there's too much of it do you think do you know the waves of enemies and the the bullet sponge and all the criticisms that are regularly leveled towards the end of the game um it's that's definitely a problem um chapters 22 onwards there are areas where it just falls back into the uncharted one combat arena thing where you just go into an area and it spawns loads of enemies you kill them all and then it spawns a load of other enemies but up until that point most of the enemies are on a linear path that you're just progressing through and it actually does a good job of pacing out the more powerful enemies so there'll be like one or two guys with uh, bulletproof vests rather than hundreds of them um, like there is in Uncharted 3 Um, yeah and as for like there's too much shooting there are three chapters in this game that have almost no combat in whatsoever like chapters 16, 17 and 18 there are only uh, two combat scenarios throughout those entire that entire section. That's like they puzzle hours. and platform heavy those ones. Yeah, yeah. To back up Josh here as well, like, say I I came to this game remembering having a, a you know a, a difficult time with the controls, and I think some of that was highlighted. I had a, a awful time with freeze controls in particular. Um, but we did you? We always have to ask this as we will on the show. Did you play it before or post the uh, patch? That, I played it post and, the patch. Um, I, I still haven't finished it, so <laughs> I'll, okay. I'll play. It did you change time. it to? I did, but actually, it's so anyway. I was caught between uh, remembering Uncharted Two being one thing and actually finding it to be something different. Mainly, that's mm. because of the free and I can get on with the controls and that. And when going back to one, where the controls were, well, I, I think Josh is right. The animation's you know quite slow, so I was. Uh, I, I feel like I was thinking two was a lot worse than it was. And actually, coming back to two, I. I think the problem is it, it gets caught between having to do too many things. So, you know, Drake, you know, as just Josh said, you know, you can shoot from almost any position and there's a lot of verticality in this game, which many great third person shooting games, a lot of a lot of the times they're fantastic. They don't actually deal with a lot with the verticality side of things. They can just, you know, down the sights and, and you know, maybe snipe people from the top, but you don't climb too many ladders and hang off ledges and, and snipe from those positions. So I I think mm. it's it's got a lot to chew. Um and I I think it's probably you know I, well it is I think out of the, all three games I think it's the one that gets the balance right I think the animations aren't too over the top <laughs> um, I you know and I I found myself at times actually enjoying the combat which is something I forgot I I honestly felt like I I hadn't had that before into so coming back to it um what difficulty did you play this time on well this Tom? is it so yeah I mean the bullet I think the bullet sponge thing comes up a lot with Uncharted and and rightly so and. 
I mean, I played it through on easy this time purely to to get through it in as quick as time as possible. And, and just, what did you, know, you play it on the first time you played it through? Yeah, it would have been the harder one, so at least normal or above. And yeah, so I, once again, I said this in Uncharted One, and I think this is the same in Uncharted Two. the The combat itself is completely free aim, and I think in in this case, it, although yes, headshots are, are the king, I still find them quite tough to pull off. Um, so I end up, you know, basically just. Is that the dead, the infamous dead zone uh, on the dual shock? I mean, the dual shock's not the greatest control for that, but I, I just, you know, I think the free aim stuff uh, I could do with a little bit. Uh, maybe it's just me getting so used to playing console games. I could do with a little bit of a pull towards the people and just sort of lock in there, and then I can just pull it up to the head. And but that's just a preference string. That's not what it, it goes down. It goes for a more free aim, and I think that's just down to the way that it tries to achieve so many things at once. I mean, you do so get I, a little I, bit of target aim if you play it on very easy. Um, you will get. Oh, there we go. You will get some aid in that regard. So, Carl, what do you think of the combat in Uncharted Two? Well, um, it's better than the first game, but you know, it's. I'm very fond of the genre of the third-person shooter, which you know, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, that is how this game is described by its own development team. So it is a third-person shooter, and that's the f- that's the first thing I said and, on the Uncharted One show. For a game to class itself as that and not have a great shooting mechanic is a little unforgivable for me. The The aiming is incredibly mm-hmm. slack. Um, that's not to do with the pad, that's to do with design. Uh, the aiming reticle has absolutely zero feedback because it doesn't change in size whether you're moving or stood mm. still and that... oh wait a minute whoa 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 that's fact that's factually incorrect that's not factually that, incorrect do- no it does no it does the ak-47 reticule and the uh, machine gun reticules change as you i shoot remember the them doing that tony you played it this week i didn't use the machine guns <laughs> The pistol, the, the pistol, pistol ones don't change. Well. The pistol ones don't change, but the machine guns definitely change. I, yeah. I've been playing it recently. I know it for a fact. Pretty sure they do. Right. Okay. Well, you know, I played it on Tuesday, um, and I don't remember that, but I did predominantly use preferably the forty-four pistol, which you know is mm. one way to stop a little bit of sponging. Um, it's a game which uses its difficulty to increase uh, the level of sponginess of the enemies rather than technically yeah. improve the difficulty of the game, which I don't agree with. Yeah. The AI is appalling. Um, you know, the, 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 take chapter 3, Borneo, and chapter 4, again in the jungle. There are enemies jumping off trees. Right, One will jump down to you, they always jump sideways to you, they never shoot, so you shoot them, and then his teammate will jump and land in the exact same spot and so on until they're all dead, which is just ridiculous. They'll just randomly bob the head up behind cover and stuff. Again, not very clever on the AI. Uh, the sort of stealth takedowns can be hit and miss. They're a bit improved, but there are times when supposedly an enemy walks to the edge, you'll be able to just you know pull him in. But at times you'll do sort of a half animation and it looks like he's having a little bit of a fit before he tries to grab them. That was a little clumsy. The punching's improved because it's quick, but the, for me, the animation's actually too quick. Um, it loses a bit of its sort of flair. It's the same when you're jumping up and mantling small objects. The animation's actually sped up, which looks a little bit ridiculous. Uh, you know, the, the again, the, the, the guns give you zero feedback. There are enemies where you'll shoot them in the head and they'll just keep walking towards you, either because it didn't register or because they'll have like a little stagger and carry on coming, and it's the same animation of stagger for every single enemy. And that's ridiculous because you shot them in the head. With a bullet, um, you know the grenades actually quite good. 
That is a big improvement. <laughs> I'll give Josh that I... because that is a massive improvement. I actually quite enjoy the grenades in this. Um, hmm. I disagree with a lot of what you said. Um, what, so you disagree with them I... not dying from headshots? Well, when, the when, thing is, when the only enemy... crosshair, when the red kills on the head and you pull well, the trigger. When the enemies don't have helmets, they do die immediately That's once you shoot also, them in the head. That, now that is factually incorrect. Well, I've just played through the game recently. It's incorrect for Uncharted 1. It's incorrect for Uncharted 2. It's incorrect for Uncharted 1. The shooting could be better in Uncharted. I mean, I understand. The, my personal reasons why that is is purely because I just think the aiming takes a little getting used to. And it's something I, I'm still struggling with all the time and you know, although I, I agree Cole some of the animations aren't you know aren't perfect and sometimes the, the stealth mechanics don't work. Um I found myself still enjoying most of the aspects. Could it be better without of a shadow of a doubt? Like I I know Josh you you're a great fan of it and you think that, you know, in, in some respects it's almost right there. But I, un, for me, Uncharted and it, Uncharted was pretty ropey in its in its combat, and I think Uncharted Two went a long way to fix those problems. And weirdly for me, Uncharted Three kind of regressed a little bit. Yeah, but uh, the, the the thing for me, look, I, I don't think Uncharted Two is best in breed or anything. I think that's reserved for stuff like Dead Space. Dead Space for me nails third person shooting, and so does Vanquish. I think those are like top tier. I just think it's pretty damn good for what it is, and I don't I don't think any part of it is awful. I don't I just cannot I I never felt that way about the game at any point. I I didn't have the the problems that you guys are saying you've had with headshots. The stealth takedowns, the, Nathan Drake does an animation to tell you he's ready to do a stealth takedown. Mm-hmm. I always manage to do it with 100% success. Um it's only when you attempt it before that animation that he it's not successful. I, I just, I, I get, I get what you're saying. I, I agree that it's not. When you're on about your stealth takedown, do you mean when you're running up behind an enemy, or when you're behind an enemy trying to pull him into cover? I mean when you're behind cover. He does an animation to tell you he's ready to do the takedown. I think um, I'm with, I'm with Tony. Um, definitely between the two extremes. Uh, I don't, I definitely don't think it's uh, the best third-person shooter out there. I definitely don't think it's a, a terrible, unplayable mess either. Um, and that is. Uh, no, I mean, I'm not saying it's unplayable by any sort of means. I'm just saying for a game that, you know, shoots for the stars and describes yeah, yeah, as, sure. you know, a cover-based shooter, mm. that, that, that the I think foremost element in its own description being arguably the weakest part of the game, you know, and the other part of the game is platforming. And <laughs> they are the two standout lesser parts of the game. And, and that is where my problems with it lie, because... If you're going to get everything and put so much into your production, you've got to get the core right. But it, it it's strange to me because I I feel comparing it to Uncharted One, which you know clearly you know they're they're trying to better that game. I think the combat is significantly better, and I think they they you know it it could have been better without doubt. But I feel like the whole production of everything else from Uncharted One, so you know be it cinematic set pieces, um, dialogue, you know all of that stuff, then also took another leap. Unfortunately, by that improving as much as it did, it left the improvements which they've done within the actual main gameplay part kind of lagging behind because they did such a good job on all the other stuff and it kind of makes it stick out a bit more like a sore thumb when if that hadn't maybe taken that such a leap then it might have not brought that much of a highlight to it if it had just been like Uncharted in a way that the original Uncharted was in its story and then the gameplay was that much better you'd be like oh yeah this kind of works 
but I just think everything else around it is so much more interesting and better polished that when I went back to it now, I was like, yeah, this still could be so much tighter, yeah. but it's not as as terrible as I. As but once it also it does help. Like on hard, I didn't enjoy the experience, um, and by the end of the game, because of the difficulty, it felt like it became a chore, which is the worst thing that can happen to a game. Playing through it this time on normal. easy. Yeah, I mean, hard so. But yeah. playing it this time on easy, I really enjoyed the experience of going through that game. Yeah. It's I mean, every, you know, as we, as we know, different, that's unusual for me. Different, well, yeah, but it's not necessarily a negative. D- different games are better played on diff- Absolutely, different settings. Absolutely, but I always settings. prefer, if a game can be clever about its design, then playing on a harder difficulty can benefit it. I mean, it's it's something that we've true. mentioned about yeah. Halo games before, where, you know, you play something on Halo Reach on easy, it's it's an okay experience, it's pretty decent. You play it through on Legendary, and it, be- pretty boring, it can actually. become... A, an incredible but, experience. But I feel like, for me, like I kind of put Halo and Bayonetta and games like that in the same camp in that they are mechanically focused games. Whereas Uncharted definitely has a focus on mechanics, but I think it's much more about the overall experience. And it's not it's not really about a challenge. It's more of just getting you in that flow, that blockbuster, like we're going at, you know, a million miles per hour. Let's just rush through this experience and have a, a way yeah. of yeah. time. Near misses I mean, and, the, and crazy not, jumps that you couldn't make and fingertips escape. From the outset that whilst mechanically it was, as we say, a shooter the actual design of the game was there that, whereas in the first game it was for story, in the second game it was about characters and who can you trust and who's on your side and oddly Deception, which, you know, obviously lends into the third title, but that was actually the design of the second one and uh, that side of it, I guess for me, they nailed um, you know, from from the target aim of how to deliver the story I just wish they delivered the, the actual core mechanics of platforming and shooting a little better. I was going to say, the thing I like to do is imagine the exact same gameplay mechanics in a lesser environment. So, um, you know, uh, crappy graphics, crappy characters, crappy story. Um, basically, you've got Army of Two. <laughs> and, um, and, and would I bother playing that? No, not really. Um, I did recently play the the latest Army of Two, and you know it was it was a the, the actual shooting mechanics are passable, and you shoot enemies and they blow up, and it's very much like playing a an Uncharted with crappy this that and the other. But you can't deny that when playing Uncharted, that all that other stuff is there. You know all the all the, yeah. all the good stuff, the high production value. So from a from a ludological point of view, if I may say it. Um, Uncharted is definitely not, you know, going to win any awards. It is not Robotron. It is not Bubble Bubble. It is not Halo Combat Evolved. But as an overall experience, it's obviously something that a lot of people, yeah. you know, really, really want from I their think, video I games. I think the, 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 you know, a way to describe it is any game going into production would say, we want to target this, this, and this from Uncharted. No, none of them are likely to say, what I want is a shooting mechanic just like the one in Uncharted. That would be... Unusual. No, they might go after the, the characterization, yeah, the production yeah, the values, and the st- soundtrack and the not, graphics. They're not going to yeah. target and say that's the shooting mechanic we want. And, and no, but that doesn't mean it's it's not enjoyable. No, no, I, it's, it's, mean it's passable, it's, it's un- and it's for me, it did impact on it, but it didn't destroy the game. It's still a great game for all the other things that it does so well. It's it, it, even more. It hurts even more because everything else is. So- it's still going to be a difficulty to you know to balance the, the the one of the problems that I said about the original Uncharted, which continues into this game, is the fact that 
it's not really platforming to to describe it as platforming is only uh, a a kind of you know it's an it's an it's a familiar genre term or an epithet it's not actually platforming platforming is super mario world you know that is a skillful uh, use of uh, an a token, an avatar, a player with a specific set of control mechanics to both avoid and attain certain, uh, to get to certain areas on the screen and to collect certain things or, or whatever. Um, Uncharted's platforming, in inverted commas, is actually about pointing a controller and pressing There's the button. There's a little bit more puzzle element to it in the second one yeah, yeah, than yeah. certainly the first one. The first one was very guided. I think the second one... Um, I'll bow to you on that because you've played it more recently. But my memory is point towards yellow it, thing, press X. Point towards yellow thing, press X. It's definitely like that for the majority of the experience. Uh, the, 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 the chapters uh, I referred to earlier, the uh, uh, chapter 17 and 18, where it is just basically all platforming, they do actually introduce a lot, uh, a lot more challenging platforming sections where it isn't as simple as point the controller okay. that direction mm. and press jump because there are a lot of ropes that you have to actually guide in the right direction and um and there are these oh, yeah. spinning yeah. like uh tubes as well that you have to navigate across and if you jump off at the wrong time you'll die and have a you know painful death um so it, it yeah for the majority of the experience uh, calling it platforming would be a bit insulting to other platforming games but <laughs> there are proper platforms but actually not- Sorry, I was going to say, Naughty Dog are a company who made, you know, uh, platformers. Although, you know, the 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 crash games weren't they were described as platformers. They weren't really platformers either. They were (laughs) they were jumping gaps, arcade action games. Um, But they but Naughty Dog have made three D platformers, and so you know they they, made one of the best. Sometimes I I, they've got experience. Well, arguably, yeah. Jack and Daxter is one of the, in my opinion, one of the very best ones. yeah, it's a good, it was it was good. Yeah, um, I mean, it was pretty. It was kind of as the as the 3D platforming went, it was pretty straightforward and easy. There wasn't you know nothing like the sophistication or level of control of say Super Mario 64 or something like that. It was very much more point towards the platform and press the press the button. But it was a it was a 3D platformer. It wasn't just a guided um, kind of pre scripted experience. It's true. Um, and yeah, I kind of thought maybe Uncharted could have well, done I, I a bit think, more. I still think I still think that. that you have to wrestle a lot with this because what they're trying to make, which is a, a cinematic action game, and I think you know, pure platforming doesn't always sit you know, right within that because there's, there's a lot of time where it's actually about the pace of the game. You know, it's the journey. It's not really always everything to do with you know, have you made that jump perfect? And I say I think they learned a lot from the first game where it it felt like it was just pushing the stick forward and moving Drake around. In this, there is one or two. Certainly, there's a couple of interesting puzzles where you're trying to to get Drake to a location and they don't really spell it out 100% and you do have to experiment with a couple of you know mis- mistimed jumps off the edges and like, okay, clearly he can't get there. But he, he does still have that sly raccoon f- feeling of suck, suck to <laughs> platforms, which is slightly less apparent than the first, but it, it is there a couple of times. You're like, how the hell did he make that jump? But um, like I said, I, I think that's a concession which it it just has to be made in Uncharted and you know I can see how that winds people up but for me it's just that's the type of this game that it is I mean I, it'd be interesting to see if they chose to go in a completely different route how that would actually feel but it, almost like um, Enslaved it, it chose the, the platforming to be as much as part of the journey rather than the challenge itself. Um, just to go back uh, Tony you were talking about the set pieces earlier 
Um, I just wanted to comment because I, I don't think this uh, Uncharted 2 gets praised enough for this. How the when you're experiencing a set piece like the the train sequence or one of my favourites, the one when you're on the trucks and you have to jump from Brilliant. truck yeah. truck to truck, how the controls don't change. Like it's the exact same game you were playing before. They've just changed the way you implement those controls. So many games would just like God of War does it all the time. They just make that section a quick time event. Like uh, um, uh, Wet has a, a section similar to the car um, jumping sequence in Uncharted 2, which is entirely quick time event. Whereas Uncharted 2 does it like as it would normally with every other part of the game, and I think that's so impressive. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, again, that was one of the things that they outlined is that they wanted it to be playable, but doing things that no game has ever even attempted to do, and. Um, I believe that they said that two of the very first ideas that they came up with in development were the falling building um, that you can run around as it's collapsing and mm. the train, which, they, again, they knew the train was going to be something new technical because every other train section in a game was... I don't a, like the train section. <laughs> was, was, it was a still train with the environment moving. In this, the train actually moves, which it's the first game to do it because... Uh, you know, from a technical perspective, it, it's incredibly difficult, and they admitted themselves that with it was the set piece that nearly killed the game because it was too good not to do. That was, you know, yeah. that, that was the actual quote, and uh, that nine months out from release, the frame rate was crappy, and mm. that, again, it, that is how they described it. And um, because of you know the technical element of having the train move and it turns on corners, and of course that. You know the the movement is just just is the same does pose its own problems because I'm sure at some point we all accidentally sort of jumped diagonally off the train um, to to our death and uh, you know but those set pieces themselves you know they are standout moments because what they did is so unusual I mean I, I can't remember ever playing a building that's collapsing and having that f you know full freedom of movement to witness it going around with you know a helicopter shooting it down and whatnot and uh, I, I agree with Josh I think they deserve arguably more credit than they uh, than they get even though it's memorable and I the, when I played through on hard I didn't like the train moment but from a technical perspective I adored it because it's absolutely marvelous because it, obviously you don't recognize any tiling of environments and it all feels really natural and and you know that that side of it marvelous but I didn't actually enjoy sort of the you know the the past with I was playing on hard with the sponge enemies that that was probably the area that caused me the most frustration plus it has a, a god awful sort of semi boss but um uh, for me the train section is probably the best the the peak of the game for me I I didn't play it on hard and it's probably why we had our disagreement about the headshots because I've only ever played this game on normal or easy um um yeah and and so I didn't find that part uh, the enemies frustrating I just the way it's choreographed I I know that's, that sounds like a, maybe a like a weird phrase to use but just the pacing of events that happen on the train like at first you're just sneaking about trying to take people out quietly then it escalates a bit then they bring in a helicopter and you're like oh my god and then it calms I would say uh, directed yeah, more yeah, than yeah. choreographed, but not not in a negative way because it is yeah, it is yeah. like a movie. Uh, in that just respect. just the way 
they know when to you know ratchet things up and then calm things down again because once a helicopter goes for the first time things quieten down again and it's just that constant peak and valley that goes on throughout that set that section of the game was really impressive to me i honestly wish the first time i played that game i didn't play on hard because playing through on easy i went from really disliking that train section to absolutely really enjoying it and you know, to experience that for the first time must have been marvellous, and it? it has its moments. I think my favourite part on the whole train is actually when you're walking. You, I think you've strung together about three stealth takedowns if you're playing, and you're walking through a carriage, and you're just about to get another one, and a guy comes smashing through the window and kicks you up against the the wall. Yeah, yeah. And that is so like there's no break for loading. There's no the whole you know change in camera is so organic in that game at that point that it comes as such a surprise, and it's absolutely one of the standout moments in the game and and that's that sequence is sort of filled with equally good elements and you know it from a technical point of view i can't stress enough just how clever that whole thing is and yeah it, i wish i'd experienced it and enjoyed it the first time i also really love the uh, the tank uh, section simply because for most yeah. of that most of that section you're running away from the tank and i now the, 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 the... Also, great piece of game design in that. They clearly you want to take it down with RPGs, and they actually space out the RPGs um, so you have to move forward. So you you come across a guy that's trying to kill you with an RPG, you take him down. He drops one rocket, and then that's it. And you're kind of looking around the environment for more, and there isn't. You're just p- progressing through, and it takes about six rockets to take that tank down. But they're just enemies that are littered further up the field, so you feel like you're constantly doing damage, but the tank is just progressing all the time. The environment around you is falling apart, and you, you always feel like, well, this could be the rocket, which is the lifeline, and it isn't, and then you're panicking, well, how do I get out of this position of high ground I've just taken? It's really, once again, just interestingly directed. I, it's just the fact that they really communicate the fact that Nathan Drake is no match for this tank. Get the hell out of there and find a rocket launcher. And just, as you said already, the way they drag out that fight for a long time, it does feel like that this thing could kill you at any moment, whereas you're just like this, you know, speck in comparison. I do like how the game plays it up. That You know, as you say, you're no match for it. And it happens at the start of Chapter 5, of course, when you're driving the Willys Jeep and you're driving down the street and, you know, the, the truck smashes and you're sort of running away as it keeps getting jammed in sort of archways. And eventually it'll sort of flip, and it's the animation, the the sort of the subtlety as you slow down, and then he does that sort of that famous nervous laugh that you know he sort of survived another scare, and you you get sort of that same sort of rush when the tank's going, and you you think you're safe behind a wall, and it smashes through the wall, and, and those moments where you know you are incredibly vulnerable. The the level of detail in in those environments, you just you know, it goes on, you know, just goes on and on. You go around the corners, the chickens there, there's people going about their daily business, and it really feels like it's an environment. Uh, yes, it's enforced slow paced walkthrough, but I, I just found that interesting. Like I was a, a person that couldn't speak the language, but you know, I was in, you know welcome within this village for for obvious reasons. Once you get to the very end of it, but then to to play through that section where it's being destroyed in front of my very eyes was kind of like oh, <laughs> yeah. kind of. How many people felt the need to shake uh, everyone's hand in that village? Just I tried kicking the chicken. You tried kicking the ch- chicken. I didn't <laughs> kick the chicken, but I I just made sure to say thank you to everyone in the village as, as I was walking past. So, yeah, thank you very much. I can't understand a word you're saying, <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to yeah. shake your hand. Um, I like the, you know, talking to the yaks after you've stroked it. You know, little touches like that. 
Um, we really need to move on. Uh, um, we need to talk about the emboss, but that will come up um, through listener correspondence, which we'd like to take. So uh, we will talk about that briefly, but um, we can probably sum it up fairly quickly, actually, the final boss experience. Um, there's also the blue meanies to talk about. Um, but let's hear from uh, some forumites, canarince.com slash forum. Thanks for posting, everybody. We'll start with Kramer Edge. He says, Uncharted 2 is a great interactive action-adventure movie. I enjoyed the ride. It has some well-performed scenes and dialogue between the characters, but not enough Sully, and a couple of standout set pieces. It has a decent enough story arc and is a better game than the first one. And, although still a bit naff, the ending counter is much better than that dumb QTE boss fight in the previous game. Mm, I disagree. (laughs) There is too much shooting, though. It becomes painfully clear when you reach an area that it's going to be another kill room that will go a couple of waves too long. Despite the issues, I look back on it favourably as one of my favourite PS3 games. Well, there it is. Kramer Edge has brought it up. He preferred the Lazarevich uh, arena fight to the dumb QTE in the first game. Um... As have we all, as have all our listeners. Um, I've played a lot of boss fights over the years. A lot. A lot of final boss fights. Um, Lazarevich stands out as one of the worst. This is the one section of the game where we can all pretty much agree that this is terrible. (laughs) Yeah. It's dire. It's absolutely dire. Um, thankfully, thankfully, it's not the last moment in the game because otherwise that would have left a sour taste in everyone's mouth. There is a yes, a great little set piece after that, and then and then the ending I think is great. But that boss battle is just poorly designed on every level. It's just um, it, it kind of does that. Um, you know, repeat the same thing three times thing that um, a lot of Nintendo games do. But Nintendo games do it well. Um, whereas this one does it really badly and it feels really out of place in this kind of game. Just boss battles full stop feel really out of place in this game. And I think it's the one area that Uncharted 3 improves on over this game in that they elect to not have a yeah. boss battle whatsoever. Spoilers. And I think if they made that choice here, this game would have been, you know, the ending would have just been a, a lot better. There is one interesting thing about that boss battle, which is before it's actually happened and, and the conversation between uh, the two, is that um, Izarovich says, um, how many men have, you know, he, he says, you think I'm so evil, but how many men have you killed today? Yeah, he raises yeah, the, uh, yeah, the, the subject, subject that yeah. everyone talks uh, about. Yeah. Which mm. it just, it seems really <laughs> odd placed at the very end of that game to, to you know, pose the question. Um, so Tony and Carl, you've both, um, without without going into too much detail about the, the mechanics of it, uh, what are your feelings about the Lazarevich fight, having recently I'm done it again? I'm never a fan of running towards the camera and shooting backwards. No. <laughs> it's it's no. not really something that I think that sounds good. You know, um, again, like the, the no. shooting things on the wall to sort of slow him down and as he throws bundles of grenades at you and you just carry on taking the same route uh, thankfully it wasn't that painful when I played it on easy and on hard it was yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was one of those where I was thinking is the ending really worth it you know or can I just leave it here sort of moment horrible looking horrible looking area as well really confusing um, visually um, and just just leading up to that obviously this uh, whereas the first game had the the, the, the zombie crew uh, this game has the big blue um, people. <laughs> um, 
Well, well you know, once again, I, un- I understand the concept and, and the tree of life, you know, is, is you know, the thing that gives them the power and, you know, they're there to protect it. It's very much uh, reminiscent of the first game. And in fact, <laughs> the story isn't you know, a great deal different. But then, you know, it is that, you know, that kind of uh, Indiana Jones type story. So it doesn't really change too far off the path. But like Carl said, it, it took the, all the aspects of the first game beat them and then introduced at the back end of the game suddenly introduced them all back in again you know nobody really liked the back end of the the first game and yet it pulls the same trick and it almost the comical element of the boss the, the final boss here is that it kind of makes a last at the fact that yeah bullet sponge because he, he takes a ton of ammo to take down when you're trying to blow the environment up mm. around him but just to slow him down like <laughs> just you use all your ammo and it's a chase of him chasing you and then that, him chasing you is never fun any of those boss battles are so it, it just falls it, it trips over the same hurdles and uh, and i think josh actually brought up earlier about you know how the combat i think is improved over the first game but then towards the back end of the game there there's a lot more spawn rooms and there's a lot more just okay this is you know a, a 20 minute firefight sequence i just need to get through to to progress through which is a shame that it, you know it, it can't quite keep the it's more interesting pace that it had throughout that experience but the last couple of hours is actually quite a uh a chore to get through, Did, but the story is kind of worth mm. getting. Uh, while we're on the subject of the big blue monkey men, um, did you um, figure out how to kill them really quickly? Did you guys figure it out? Tell us, Josh. The, the, the crossbows that they carry. If you try yeah. to mm. shoot them with conventional ammunition, they take ages and ages to kill. If you pick up a crossbow, they only take like three shots and they're down. Alex79UK says, Uncharted 2 was a great game. I first played the demo and was really impressed by the snowy landscapes and climbing up that train carriage as it swung Italian job style over the edge of the cliff. It was a real thrill. There were some wonderful set pieces. A real standout moment for me was the battle with the tank coming through the mountain village and the locations in particular were very impressive and showed much more variety than the original. But whilst almost everything built upon what the first game had offered, and whilst being technically more impressive, I still didn't feel like I enjoyed it more than the first. The quality of the entire trilogy is right up there with the best the PlayStation has ever had to offer, so me saying I didn't enjoy it as much as the first takes nothing away from it. I still rate it as one of the greatest PlayStation games ever. I couldn't really tell you why, but I think the first game was unlike anything I'd played in a long time. The second, whilst upping the ante in every department, arguably didn't really bring anything new to the table. See, I actually I, I understand where he's coming from though because after after I playing Uncharted 2 yeah. I always said that I preferred the first one because the first one had such an impact on me it was, I even said at the start of the show it was a surprise how good it was I didn't know a whole lot about it You know, Uncharted 2 sort of... It's what we talked yeah, about, expectations Uncharted 2 had the hype behind it you, you know, going back to Absolutely. it now giving it the time that you know, the, the, the four year gap and that's one of the advantages of doing this show. And, you, you know, I played a bit of the first one. I played all the second one. You realise, you know what, the, the second one is better. And that, the memory of how good the first one was has, has, has long gone. And it's now replaced that, yeah, you know, Uncharted 2 is the best in the series. And that has done more for me. But I understand exactly where he's coming from because I felt like that for the longest time. I, I, I preferred to myself, um, but not by a huge margin because I did like the sort of slightly lower key um, aspects of the original and the sort of more coherent thing than the than the sort of uh, white knuckle ride of the second game. Um, but I think overall, probably you know because the combat's better and stuff, and there are those great set pieces and right. stuff, it is better. But um, 
diminishing returns, you know. I, I just disagree with the line. I didn't think it brought anything new to the table. I, I think this, the cinematic presentation is a whole other level than it was in the first game. Mm. Um, and the set pieces, which were you know non-existent in the first game. So it, it brought something new to the series. So, uh, you know, don't quite understand where it's that's from. It's not even just I, new to the series. It's new to the whole thing. I mean, I, obviously there was the talk earlier that it's the worst thing that's happened to the games industry. It's not. The worst thing that's happened is, you know producers of games, publishers of games wanting other teams to match this with lower budgets and more risk involved and you know you can understand why because this was so dramatic and even what last year this year we got this year we got Tomb Raider um and that's targeting the same sort of Hollywood thrill ride that Uncharted 2 was doing you know half a generation ago so gee, to say it offered brought nothing new is uh that's not strictly true in gameplay sense, perhaps, but in terms of production, no, Uncharted 2 was one of the most important changes we've had in games because it was so, I don't want to use revolutionary, but it was certainly a massive evolution on what we'd had. I, I, the thing is, this might seem weird because I'm actually more positive on this game than you are, Carl, but I actually agree with the point he's making. It's just for me execution matters a lot to me uh, more so than innovation and i don't think uncharted 2 brings that much new to the table i think it remixes elements in a way that um, existed in other games remixes them in a way that i really love and comes together in a really successful way um and and for me i know you guys disagree but for me we're we're executed to a really high standard um, and that's why it's so memorable for me. By and large, uh, as almost as, as as effusively positive as the critics were at the time, it's fair to say. From the punters out there, you know, other than a few, you know, naysayers as regards to certain elements, it's uh, it's clearly a very well loved game. And we'll find out what we think in our summaries. But first, we have some three word reviews via Twitter, which were collated during the day today, at the time of recording. Starting with some of our own cane and rinses, which we're—I'm going to allow. I'm against it in theory, but you know. Um, 
Jay Taylor says that fucking silhouette. He's talking about the Yeti, which is an awesome dynamic. Darren Foreman, hyper-absorbent enemies. Action, bastard. Everything is falling. Crayman's Edge, too much shooting. Uh, Jerome McIntosh, uh, action-packed fun. Sonic Alpha, better than Uncharted. Dutiful Data, better than Fortune. (laughs) Silent Hitashura, fucking ugly world. Uh, let's pause for a moment on this one. Uh, this is this is Paul Rooney, regular guest or irregular guest on on the podcast. Um, and uh, apologies to regular listeners for his microphone quality on the dark, otherwise brilliant Dark Souls issue. I can say that because I wasn't on it. Um, that was a technical hiccup, obviously. Um, I've 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 heard this before that Paul, who is a very you know artistically minded person, a very talented artist himself. Um, really hates the way that Uncharted 2 looks. Oh. Have either of have any of you engaged on him no. with this? No, I sent I'm... a video of it with a, an I Am Trolling remix by Boxy, but other than that, yeah. Yeah, I saw um... that, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it, it may be like an extension of kind of what I was getting at with the kind of hyper-real thing, but to him it actually is, whereas I said it, I, uh, except to me it's aesthetically pleasing, if not what I def- necessarily want, he obviously finds it aesthetically uh, unpleasant. I think he likes the game, though, doesn't he? No, he really likes Uncharted too. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Benjamin Ford, forty Ford, uh, says beautifully realized blockbuster. I I am Ian Stephen. PS3 pure gold. Mister Flabio, best in series. Christopher one hundred and one. Best in series. Snaky David, best in series. Brad Galloway doesn't say that. He says, charming, but shallow. Sinan Cubber of Joystick, friend of the show. He says, uh, 18 Nolan Norths. out of five, by the way. He always rates his games out of five Nolan Norths. This gets an 18, apparently. <laughs> okay. And his other argument, uh, his other three-word review, uh, is to say, Brad Galloway is wrong. Um, Seanakin. Say it. Marco! Grecian Phil says, amazing train sequence. Lee Scavell, what a guy. Pixel Omen says, buttery cinematic popcorn. Link 6616, people love this. Big Andy D says, most excellent sequel. Rich Haslam, downhill from here. I suppose you could say, uh, obviously, there have since been two Uncharted games. Um, both have been critically quite well received. We're going to talk about them both yeah. uh, to a lesser extent, the Vita one in, the, in in a month's time. But um, you could say that, you know, this is now a four-game series that peaked well, at number two. I think, two, interestingly, which... at the time, people were saying that it'd be downhill from here because that was so good. Um, mm. Turns out they mm. were right. Or mm. were they? The amount of film series that struggled to top, you know, yeah. the second, the the excellent sequel. Too. It's uh, it's a common thing. Nick Ackerman, uh, end series here. Alfred Fank, likable, clumsy killer. And the sniper gecko, setting the standard. So by and large, with a with a couple of naysayers and a few caveats and qualms, uh, a pretty positive appraisal. But what about us? Well, I'm going to go first because I have the the haziest memory um, from three years ago. Uh, I like Uncharted too, pretty much. It's a good game. Um, really boring things to say about it. If I was, if my games room was on fire, 
um, and I had to save five games, it would be nowhere near the ones that I'd be digging from my shelves. It's not that kind of a classic for me. Um, it is, as with the first game, but kind of more so uh, an entertaining white-knuckle ride, makes you smile. Um, it's not sophisticated in any way, really, other than, you know, it's got some, it's got some some decent lines and some and some decent characters but it's not the kind of thing that sort of resonates me either with either as a game or as a as a kind of you know um a life-changing experience but it is a lot of fun and it's really well made and i did play the multiplayer a fair amount and i think for me the fact that the multiplayer was quite a lot of fun um it was simple and straightforward and not particularly deep but it does suggest that the shooting and the and the platforming which does come into the multiplayer as well can't be that bad if it can if you can hang a a, a fun multiplayer on it uh and i think i think that's important and and the the uncharted 3 multiplayer is now available to download in a kind of free to play format and it's still it's still a lot of good fun you know it's 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 not battlefield 3 but it's not trying to be but it is a a good knockabout uh, romp of a blaster and if you can get together with a group of mates and, and kind of take on random teams on a server it's well worth doing actually Tony um, I have reservations about the combat I can't get over those and they, they just exist but I I still think Uncharted 2 set a pretty lofty standard um, for the rest of the industry to follow when it came to trying to um, mix both cinema and games production together. Uh, I think it's a huge step up from the first game, both in presentation, um, set pieces, and actual just general gameplay. Um, and I love the way the characters interact together. In fact, I think we probably could have done a, a two-hour podcast just talking about how the story elements of and the characters interact together because they are pretty phenomenal, in my opinion. Has it set a standard for the for the industry to kind of <laughs> like? take some lazier steps i i don't know i think i think there's like tomb raider borrows a lot um but doesn't get everything matched to it like in in some regards i think tomb raider is a better game in other regards when it when it once again comes to the story and the action i think it, it doesn't actually come anywhere close to it so it's an an odd mix um but it's you know it, my if my games room was was burning you know what it's in my top 50 games of all time and that's that's a big statement to make it's can you carry 50 no, games? No, I can't. And would it be in my arm um, collection? No, probably because there's thousands of copies that Actually, you uh, to get hold of. I, I, don't, I don't own a physical copy of Uncharted, so it couldn't be in the games I'd carry out of a file. But, that's, but that, I mean, that, that's what's so interesting about this game <laughs> is that I do have a number of res- reservations about it, but it still sits pride of place in my top 50 games of all time because there's the elements which it succeeds at are utterly fantastic. And going through it again three years later it's still just a really good you know ride uh, and the characters i enjoyed and i'm i'm looking forward to actually getting to free now and playing through that to see you know if in fact you know as people said it it's a bit of a downer for the for the series but um you know i'm i'm a bit of a high actually from uncharted 2 which i was hmm trepidatious about because we've done this many times before we've gone back to games which we've hmm. have been beloved in the past only to find out in fact they're not they don't really necessarily hold up well, and that was the case for Uncharted One. Um, but Uncharted Two, yep, still gets my seal of recommend, seal of Tony's seal of approval. I do actually uh, still think it's it's a uh, like that word. Yeah, that's well, worth that's anything. That's, well, <laughs> <laughs> of, rec- of recent of form, then maybe not. But um, you know, I I do think it's uh, a fantastic game, and if you have a PS3, you really should have 
at least check it out uh, and check out the sequel if you, you know, just go straight into the sequel. <laughs> Maybe. So, Carl, you fucking hate this game and want everyone who had anything to do with it to die, right? Uh, no. I really do like a lot about this game. I think, you know, it's no coincidence that we've all compared it to movies and that cinematic approach. And I think if it was a movie, it wouldn't be one of those all-time classics that's, you know, brilliantly written. It's not a Godfather or anything like that. But it's probably one of those movies that, you know, you'd watch again and again because it's easy to have on in the background or it'll make you chuckle. It's that kind of mm. game. You know, you appreciate it in a different way. Um, I don't really, I, I think it's no surprise I'm not a huge fan of the combat. Uh, yeah, really? and get that. I, I'd argue I maybe dislike some of the platforming less, um, but what it does well, it's hard to match. Tony mentioned Tomb Raider, I mentioned it earlier on, it's definitely the biggest influence. I think Tomb Raider does a much better job of the shooting and the platforming, but the rest of it, it doesn't match Uncharted 2, so it goes to show you the kind of level that Uncharted 2 is working at. Yeah, and, I would agree um, with that. You know, it should be heralded for the right reasons. Um, and if you make it perfectly clear that the game isn't flawless, it's not the holy grail of you know, of action adventures, but it's pretty damn good. And if you've got a PlayStation 3, it should be played. It is one of those must-five, you know, played games on that format. And um, it's something to experience. I think perhaps it's a game that you could probably get as much enjoyment, if not more, if you actually watch someone who's a good player playing it. Because the things that I like from it the most are the things that sort of happen when you're not playing it, or the things you can appreciate on screen, or or see, or hear. You know, it, it the the multiplayer is interesting. Now, we had a three-word review from the Sniper Gecko. I actually know him personally, um, and the first time I played multiplayer was at a gaming land with him. Um, and this game was an utter nightmare to get working in multiplayer over a network. But when we got it working, we played yeah. co-op. Um, and it was quite interesting that a game like this had co-op, and it worked well. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about the co-op And, and it uh, actually area, works. Yeah. And Uncharted 2 multiplayer is still running. So I thought for a cheeky go, I'd, I'd try and play mm. some multiplayer. Now, there was me and one other person on who kept leaving and jumping in in the hope that he'd actually get into a full game. But no, there was only two of us, and you need four to start a game, so that wasn't a, a great start. But if you can get four people, the multiplayer is still running. Uh, I... Overall, I, I certainly recommend it as a game. Um, it is a benchmark in areas. You know, the characterization is. You, you could argue it's perhaps unmatched in a game. And you look at other games that you try and get characters working together. Um, and it, there's a certain chemistry. Like if if you look at something like Heavy Rain, which is very you know character, you know related, and it doesn't quite have that same impact. Whereas these feel very natural performances and it, it flows all the way through. I mean, one of my favourite characters is a character we never mentioned, which is Carl Schaefer, who he looks incredible. He's very interesting. He's got a face that could tell a thousand stories and his voice works brilliant. Um, and he's quite a key character into understanding sort of the story. And if, you, if you're stemming all the way from sort of primary through secondary and tertiary characters, they're all equal in their quality. You know, the game carries a fantastic soundtrack. It's full DTS, um, which 7 .1, yeah, yeah never gets mentioned, but it's absolutely stunning. Although there are sound issues now that I never noticed before with certain characters' voices disappearing and, and stuff. Um, could be a bit better, but, you know, when it when it's in full flare uh, uh, in DTS, is absolutely jaw-dropping. Um, 
So, Josh, uh, you think Uncharted 2 is the greatest video game ever made, and you want to have Persona mad, babies. passionate sex with everyone involved with uh, every- with everyone who made the game. Um, yeah, no, I don't think it's the greatest game ever made. Um, it is amongst my favourite. I, I think it's, I've made it pretty clear uh, during the course of this podcast that I certainly feel more positively about it than the three of you gentlemen. But for me, it doesn't do anything new. It doesn't do anything revolutionary. It just combines a lot of ideas that I really like into a package that overall I fell in love with. I think there are there are aspects of this game that I think are done better in other games that I love. I don't think the shoot I like the shooting, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's the best in the world. I think games like Vanquish do it better. I like the story and I love the characters. I think the characters are possibly best in breed. The story is just kind of middle of the road and I think uh, games like uh, Mass Effect and uh, The Walking Dead do a better job of that. Maybe not Mass Effect 3 depending on who you are. Um, and um, it just it, it's become one of those games that Definitely. I, I can play yeah, over and over mm-hmm. again and just find really entertaining. I, I think it is just a, a really fun blockbuster movie but the kind of blockbuster movie that i really love it's a lot closer to something like the avengers or indiana jones than it is to transformers or some garbage like that uh um um is it um, does it have anything like deep or complex to say no it doesn't but did I have a hell of a time playing this for the first time? And have I had a hell of a time playing it every time I've played it since? Yes. So it comes highly recommended from me. And just to briefly touch on the multiplayer, I think the multiplayer isn't, you know, the best out there is, but it is really fun and and it's worth checking. Well, probably not now. You'd probably just go and play Uncharted Freeze multiplayer now. But it was a worthwhile experience. Let us round things up for another week, another issue... Issue 82. Can you believe it? Uh, There will be more issues running up to number 100 later this year. You can play along with us. Here are some of the games that we've got coming up. Starting from next week, we've got Driver San Francisco. That's followed by Castlevania Symphony of the Night, Uncharted 3, Drake's Deception. And Fez? Um, um, Minecraft and Tomb Raider 2013. Then it's El Shaddai, Ascension of the Metatron. I believe we have special guest Sean Bell from Midnight Resistance and uh, Joypod lined up for that. I should have mentioned uh, we've also got uh, we got Andy from Midnight Resistance uh, lined up for the Castlevania Symphony of the Night show as well. So after El Shaddai, we've got DMC Devil May Cry, this year's Devil May Cry. Uh, after that, we have Deadly Premonition or Red Seeds Profile, if you prefer. And then it's Starwing and Lilac Wars, or Star Fox, and Star Fox 64. Following that, we have Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Chaos Theory, Fahrenheit, or Indigo Prophecy, Super Meat Boy, L.A. Noir, Psychonauts, and Show 100, Heavy Rain. Uh, announcement time. Uh, those of you who listen to the podcast but don't follow us on Twitter, or Facebook, or the blog, or the forum, firstly, do all those things. But the best thing is, we now have Canaan Rinse merchandise. Uh, if you go to canaanrinse.spreadshirt.co.uk, you can find a range of fine uh, wear, accoutrements, and other doobries, <laughs> doodads. Uh, Tony, you've uh, you've you've you you took the uh, you t- you took the plunge. 
um, because you're so you're so rich that you just you had to do it. So how is how how is your cane and rinse uh, monikered monogrammed um, T-shirt? <laughs> That'd be great. Um, now we, we, you know there's a lot of discussion, and we, you know we looked at multiple different places because you know we've all brought merchandise from from different places, and some of it mm-hmm. is good, some of it is bad, and you know we decided to um, yep. to I think you know the prices I think are, are reasonable. You know any merchandise like this, you know it can be quite expensive, but we wanted to make sure that what you were getting was was worth the value of uh, your hard-earned bucks. And uh, having got one, I can honestly say that, the, you know, I ordered the T-shirt. It's nice. It's thick. It's it's a good quality T-shirt. And the... Pr- Hangs yes, heavy. Yes, it does. Um, and, the, and the print like is, your balls. is top-notch, so it's it's not going to go through the wash and come off after two or three or crack up or anything like that. It's, you know, we've, we've gone for a good company. Um, so, yeah, comes fully recommended from the person... Yeah, recommended. I like it from the from the person that um, you know wants you to buy this stuff. But you know, no one's really making any money from this. It's purely there's some money being made purely to help uh, run the website and all that other stuff. But there's yeah. certainly no profits coming in into anyone else's pockets. It's purely as a a little extra. I think it's about a pound or so on top, isn't it? It's it's not huge. Yeah, we'll we'll be making hopefully about uh, between one and two pounds per item sold. Um, that will just help us with our, you know running yeah. costs and stuff. But there's absolutely no compulsion. But and also obviously you'll be helping us by wearing stuff uh, with our logo on and explaining to people what it is, which is awesome. Um, we're never going to have one of those sort of uh, you know um, financial recruitment drives on Cane and Rinse. So this is our kind of way of possibly generating a little tiny bit of revenue. Um, there are t-shirts from around £16 and sweatshirts and hoodies that are a bit more expensive at £27, £28. Uh, kids t-shirts, retro bags, smartphone pouches, ladies wear and of course, Jackets, if there's more interest, uh, more designs will become available. So it's yeah. just a, a nice uh, test. Yeah. But you know, if you if you see any of the designs that we have, um, Jay's done a fantastic job on them, and uh, yeah. yeah, it really does pop off the the side of your t-shirts. But it's it's discreet enough that you can walk down the street and not feel like you're an advertisement for somebody's product. Yeah. Yeah, it's very tasteful. Uh, there's a huge range of colours available and all that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, massive thanks to Jay who spent ages and ages putting it together. Um, and also thanks to the help we received from community members and friends of the show, Mike Leddy and Magic Joe F, for their help with the design and stuff. Um, so yes, that is address. Uh, that address is again caneandrince.spreadshirt.co.uk. Thank you for your attention. The ribbon is cut on the shop and this announcement is over. But don't forget, you can still do stuff for free that is Cane and Rinse related, such as downloading this podcast. Uh, Also watching our Quick Rinse videos on the blog and the YouTube channel. There is that Twitter. It's under Cane and Rinse, as is the Facebook. Um, As ever, we love to receive your reviews and ratings and subscriptions, best of all on iTunes. Check out the periodical on the iBook store, the Minecraft server, the Daisy or Z Origins server. Uh, look out for future announcement game nights. Uh, most of all, join the community at canerince.com slash forum. It's all at canerince.com. You can find even everything the from there well. anyway. Yeah, links off from there. Yeah, even the store. So it just remains for me this week, me, Leon, that is, to thank Tony, Josh, and to leave you in the capable hands of Carl, who will make his hosting debut next week with driver san francisco our first ever driving game but definitely not the last and until then here's some more stirring epic greg edmondson music 